This is Within Digital, a digital marketing podcast brought to you by SearchStar, a relocalized company. Hi, I'm Nick Livermore and welcome to episode three of Within Digital. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Harry Martin and Grace Bethel, uh, both client planners at SearchStar, and they'll be talking us through what they call in the client planning team, the planning cycle. But first, Grace, what does the SearchStar planning team do? 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay. Well, um, with with the planning team, so there's there's four of us in the planning team and we at SearchStar pretty much help to formulate strategies for clients. Um, so that involves working with clients to sort of develop a strategy that best fits their campaign and business goal. Wow. Okay. You actually did it in seconds or less. That's amazing. Usually I say 30 seconds, it takes a minute or two. It was even less. That was brilliant. Yeah, that was 15 seconds. That's awkwardly short. Oh, well. (laughs) Um, And and, and so basically, out of what your team does has come this planning cycle. This this is a cycle you use with every client you work across um, to work out what is best for them. Is that right? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it almost works as like a checklist for us, just to make sure that we've covered all our bases. Um, yeah, like and best, this is best practice me- media planning, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it also helps support the rest of the team, so making sure that it's not just us that that knows, you know, these are the steps that we go through for clients, but making sure that they know this is what we're focusing on as as sort of a tick exercise almost. Okay, great. So what you're going to do today is you're going to, it's a, so it's essentially, it's a, it's a, as I understand it, it's a five step planning cycle. Um, you sent me a nice little diagram. It's got a little wheel in the middle <laughs> and it's got e- each part of the wheel has a section and you follow it around in order. And at the end of it, you get this media plan that you then presumably hand over to our media buying team. Yeah. I think a lot of, we would work with the media buying teams throughout a lot of this process i don't think it's something that we do solely on our own and then it's almost like handed over to them um a lot of it's done in conjunction with them but certainly it's something that you know we work together on and then there will come a point where we then present it to the client um with the media buying team so okay so it's not it's oh so it's not a siloed approach it's uh it's very much a you know they support you you support them and come up with just what's best for the client before presenting it to them yeah, exactly. Exactly. To to Grace's point earlier, you know, it's about making sure that we're as a team, not just the planning team, but whoever the client team is. So that will involve the client planner um, and a couple of guys from the digital media teams. Mm-hmm. It's about getting all of us to to think in a certain way um, and make sure we've we've gone through a, a the right process to get to a proper strategy. Where does the planning cycle begin? What's what's the what's the first thing you do when we when we're thinking about a media buying strategy for a new client? Uh, I suppose the first step would be we receive a, a brief from a client, which has a set list of questions on to help us understand their business objectives, understand who they think their audience are, etc. Um, and from there, that that's kind of how we then get into this planning cycle um, that we've we've showed you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first step on there is is audience. So so the audience is 
the foundation of any strategy. Um, you know, whether that's a, a digital marketing campaign, which is obviously what we deal with, or just any marketing advertising campaign, um, your audience will always be the core focus of that strategy. Um, I think that stems from the fact that every business objective that there is, whether it's a hundred thousand sales of a particular product or, you know, 10 signups to your weekly newsletter a week, mm-hmm. all of those business objectives are set with a audience in mind. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's then our job to unpack the original idea of, of the client's audience, mm-hmm. um, and try and understand how to access them and how to achieve those business objectives. Do you find that um, when the when the prospective client sends their idea of what their audience is through, do you find that that's and this is this touches upon actually what we talked about last week um, last time, sorry, with uh, Joe and Jared. Do you find that m- most clients have this preconceived idea of what their audience is, probably based around what their own demographic is? Do they do they assume yeah. that their audience likes what they sell, therefore they must be the same as them? Yeah, I, I think that that certainly is a common issue. You know, it, it was something that Joe and Jarrah obviously spoke about as being one of their was it five things that five crimes five crimes against conversion. Um, but no, I think I think that's definitely something that we come across a lot is people's preconceived idea of their audience isn't in reality what their audience is you know it's it's not the demographic makeup it's not the particular segment of of an audience um often they're too broad or they're too in in some cases they're too niche you know they're looking for a specific type of person and you often have to turn around and say actually you you can't spend loads of money targeting Jane from next door who's 45 and lives in Bristol yeah and that's it um well the, the, the whole idea that 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 one product has one very defined audience is just nonsense isn't it really I mean like the, yeah I challenge you to come up with a product that would exclusively be bought by middle income females between the age of 25 and 32 exclusively yeah no I, I agree I think and I think that is to to the point that Joe and Jarrell are making the last time around it's often something that we see is that you know people ignore the fact that there are secondary or tertiary audiences that surround mm-hmm. that core idea of, of what the audience is so our role as as a planning team is to try and understand the audience and from that understanding we're able to identify who the audience are, so what the primary audience is, whether there's a secondary audience that's you know worth including in our strategy, yeah. um, and to that end, you know whether there's a tertiary audience or you know there, there might be multiple audiences that we're working towards. So yes, so you you've worked with a client, you've taken their initial idea of what their audience is, and you said, look, okay, that's part of it, but there's it's it's much more than that, and we think that this is your audience. Then what do you do? You've got that audience. How do you? What's the next step in the planning cycle? Where where do you go next? Well, I think the 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 stage that we sort of then naturally fall into is looking at competitors and looking at their audience, um, and then that that sort of naturally falls into what channels are they on? 
So, you know, what channels are competitors spending on, but also what channels are is your audience on and what channels um, are you currently on? And then almost sort of creating a, a, a nice little picture of where you are now, what your audience is looking at and where your competitors are. Yeah. And that's sort of the next phase in from understanding your audience and looking at all that insight that that we can sort of gather and the data that we can see from looking at various sort of tools and, and things like analytics or similar web or, or any of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of overlaying that into, you know, what what your competitors doing, what their messaging is and, um, you know, what what should yours sort of strategy look like? Channels themselves, um, I guess it then sort of falls down into looking back at what the the aim is. And sorry, so look at looking back at what the brief is, and and using that brief and the the, the brief information and the audience information to come up with. Do you come up with like a channel plan? Yeah, so we come up with um, an initial media plan of what we think it should look like. So, you know, whether that's across social um, or search or programmatic um, and looking at, you know, what within that should should the plan sort of look like. So making sure that if it is reaching a new audience, that we are um, going for that sort of more discovery phase and that those channels sort of match that brief. And Whereas, you, good, no, Karen. Yeah, sorry. If we're looking at, um, you know, more of a campaign that's focused on, um, you know, return, um, then we'd look at sort of the lower funnel channels like search and, and shopping, if, if that's the, the sort of um, industry that we're in. As we know, I'm currently in market for a single floorboard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thinking about that, that um, I would say floorboard com- company, but I guess we're talking about um some kind of builder's merchant or timber merchant or something like that how would for instance how would a company like that what would you suggest to a company like that looking for well i i guess you as a as a single consumer you're almost looking for that one-time purchase Mm -hmm. so um you potentially wouldn't be the focus of a strategy you know majority of strategies that we we work with are looking at are looking at that consumer who's going to either be um you know in future be a loyal consumer or are going to spend a substantial amount of money so for example like a merchants or anyone like that would be looking for a high purchase value whereas like a homeware client or um anything like that you know they'll be looking at potentially lower value items so their sort of mix would be would be different. I think if we focused on like the homeware sort of um, sort of furniture industry, we'd be looking at you know all the way across. So you know, social would play a key part as well as mixing that um, with sort of shopping and search and making sure that we've not just got the sort of lower funnel audiences, um, but we're sort of mixing that with making sure that you know we have got the the lookalikes and the broad audiences and they are very much sort of product focused and messaging um, and making sure that we're sort of reaching at the right time with the right message. Um, and in regards to sort of channels, we definitely look to to use sort of display and, and YouTube um, and, and make sure that we're sort of, you know, using each channel at each different stage, whether that's through from, you know, understanding what they're actually looking for versus the, the sort of loyalty side of um, getting them to sort of repurchase. Yeah. And, and am I right in thinking that um, what we're talking about now is kind of blurring or blending into point three of your 
or your planning cycle, which is targeting. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Apologies. You're, you're sort of pointing at me on the screen, but it was going <laughs> into the middle. Um, yeah. So I, it does definitely cross over into targeting, um, and how you segment, um, the audience on each of those channels that Grace mentioned. Um, and if we're going to roll with the example of, of you and, and your 150 year old floorboard, um, <laughs> Whilst you might not be the core focus of, of a digital media strategy because you are already in market for a single floorboard, um, you might be a part of a secondary audience or, or someone further along in the consumer journey. So you definitely fit into an audience, um, just might not be the core focus of the audience. Um, but yeah, you, you would definitely slot into the sort of I hate to use the word funnel, the marketing funnel, um, but you would along that consumer journey, if you like, um, you'd just be much further ahead than the audiences that we'd be trying to reach on YouTube and, and social, etc. Um, but yeah, so I think I'm, so. I'm somewhere in the funnel, but if we're exactly. talking about if we're, so, let's get away from my poor example of um, <laughs> of, of floorboard buying nightmares. Um, how, how do you go about? deciding how to target and segment your audience initially? I think you're often, each channel that you you buy digital media on yeah. will give you a certain set of rules, if you like. So you, they're often, how you target consumers is dictated by different channels. Okay. Um, so for Facebook, for example, you can target people based on interests, whereas you can't do the same on Google or, you know, Sky AdSmart, you can buy programmatically. So you can buy on a demographic and location targeting, you know, mixed with some of their own data about the programs you watch, etc. Whereas you can't do the same on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think to answer your original question, it's dictated by the channels that you select. In, in a given strategy. But I think the, for us, the, when it comes to targeting and, and segmenting traffic, our goal is to target the moments that matter, you know, along that consumer journey, if you like. And it's selecting where users are in that consumer journey and making sure that we have the relevant targeting on each channel. You know, Facebook, and Instagram or, or social advertising, if you like, if you're going to band it all into one, mm-hmm. has a, a variety of targeting methods within it um, that you can use either in combination or, or exclusively. Mm-hmm. So it's about reaching the right consumer with the right technique and, and targeting method at the right time and, and in the right phase of that consumer journey. So to answer the original point, it's largely dictated by channel and then within each channel, there'll be certain targeting methods or techniques that are slightly different. And to that end, you know, certain assets or campaign types or creatives that you can use that will apply to different segments of that audience. I'm glad you've mentioned assets, Harry. <laughs> no, I'm no glad worries. you've mentioned I assets. I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone seems to give me a good segue into the next point. But so to me, it sounds like we've got we've gone from the brief and now we've built a, a essentially what is a foundation. We've used this planning cycle to build a foundation of of what that media plan is going to look like. Um, we've got 
we've nailed down the audience, hopefully. Um, and that audience has led us inexorably to channels and the targeting options. To me, it sounds like the targeting and the channels are kind of intertwined quite closely because, and, and, and that's, and the, the mix of channels and therefore targeting options you use is dictated quite heavily by the audience you're trying to, um, engage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so we've got this foundation. Then inevitably comes assets. So what, so we've got this foundation that we've built with, with the audience, um, and the channels and the targeting. Yeah. We know who we want to target. We know how we want to target and we know what tools we're going to use to target them. Yeah. Um, but on that foundation, we need to build an ad campaign. Um, and essentially to do that, we need to start thinking about the assets. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, assets are just as important as as looking at the audience. Um, you know, as Harry said about sort of targeting and segmentation, we would break that out through um, obviously the different channels. Um, you know, social, for example, is so important that we need to have sort of engaging content. Yeah. Even if we have the right audience um, and almost the right strategy in place without the right content um, on the ad itself or the landing page, it's really hard to sort of create that seamless journey. So um, making sure that we have assets that reach the audience um, in, in the right time at the right stage of the funnel um, yeah. that they're at in, in sort of your consumer journey, but also making sure that they the messaging is right. So using an example of, um, you know, yourself and I, so I, I like running. Whereas obviously we all know that you like cycling and <laughs> and the messaging that, that I would have and you would have would hopefully be very different because, um, you know, we are different consumers. We'd want different things out of a product. Yeah. So speaking to you um, saying that it's great for running um, would obviously be no good. But that to me would actually, um, you know, resonate with me quite nicely. So making sure that it is relevant to the consumer um, and, and the audience. So that almost background work that we've done previously um, yeah. and that target segmentation work is is really important because it does lead us on, as you say, so nicely just to make sure that, you know, the assets are right. Um, and we've been sort of working with clients recently on something called a messaging framework. Okay. So that sort of takes, um, you know, the client through the journey of the consumer as well as um, uh, of sort of that the audience breakout um, just to make sure that everything sort of flows nicely, you know, to make sure that it's exciting, informative, um, you know, reassuring all the, all the things that um, sort of Jarrah and Joe, you know, regularly speak about. And so we're talking about assets and, yeah. and you say, obviously, like target runners with running based messaging, target yeah. cyclists with cyclist based messaging, target floorboard um, purchases with um, ads <laughs> related around, to exactly hugely regret mentioning the floorboards. Um, but I assume that actually the assets you use throughout the consumer journey change as well. So an ad that I see on an ad that I see on Facebook from yep. a challenger cycling brand. Yeah. Um, that's just launching itself mm-hmm. um, would be different from the type of ad or the type of asset that I would see in Google search if I typed in, I want to buy a bike. 
yeah. if, if they were coming in. I mean, that, that seems like an obvious thing to say. And obviously, a Google ad is different from a Facebook ad. Mm. But you wouldn't want to use the same ad copy. No, I think it's it's not just about, um, you know, the ad copy and the asset itself. So it's not just about having, you know, a text ad versus a video ad versus, um, you know, a single image ad, for example. It's it's much more than that. It's about um, the sequencing. So making sure that, you know, if your objective is to introduce the brand, like you say, then yeah. you'd want almost the brand story there throughout um, the creative. And you can actually do like sequencing on Facebook and YouTube and, and display. So that's would be like a really nice introduction to the brand you know you've watched one video let's show you more and more and more about the brand to sort of get you down that funnel stage um whereas you know a different item like a uh, if you are looking for that one floorboard it would be very product based rather than branding based so um i think it's it's getting the mix of the different creative um so you know the different assets that you can use but also you know the different messaging and and everything else that goes along with um you know the work that we've previously done to understand the audience and the, and the segmentation i mean at the end of the day it would be absolutely ridiculous if <laughs> you were to show me an ad from an e-bike brand that just said buy a bike yeah <laughs> buy my <Exactly>. bike <laughs> buy my bike and i'm like Who's, what is this what is this ad? i'm not going to click on that buy a bike no <laughs> exactly that's that's why we that's why we constantly bang on about getting a good brief oh my people are famously bad at getting brief uh, writing briefs aren't they they they'll yeah. You know, what you're looking for is an in-depth summary of what they want. And you get three sentences. It happens. And how do you, it does happen, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, it happens. But we've got an excellent client planning team. And they're going to tell me about the final stage of the planning cycle, the exciting final stage of the planning cycle, which is, I believe, test and learn, Harry Martin. Test and learn. I mean, what else is there to say? I think... Once you go through this this process, you obviously have to start and you have to go live and start spending money and, and recording data. And I think from that point on, it's you know the reason we sent it to you in a, in a sort of uh, a slide format and it's a circle and you called it a cycle, right? Yeah. Is that you get to this final stage and it's almost like we need to do the whole process again. So quite regularly we will go through an account having you know gone live maybe three months ago and we'll do a sort of quarterly review mm-hmm. um, and then we're almost back to square one so we're saying right we've got this this enormous pool of data now based on our original thoughts about the audience the channels the targeting selection and the assets and creatives and how's it worked so we'll ask you know We'll, we'll try and be as honest as we can with it. Yeah. Um, some things will work brilliantly. Other things will inevitably fail. But we then chuck ourselves into that planning cycle again. So we will look at the audience, look at which audiences have resonated best, which are, you know, which have the highest CPAs and aren't worth going for anymore. And it's, it's, it's almost like an optimization loop. So we go through each and every stage again um, and just iterate until we get it right. It's beginning to make sense now. It's all <laughs> beginning to make sense. So essentially what you're telling me is that client planning or media planning, sorry, is a bit like Groundhog Day. Yep. hundred <laughs> percent. Just like COVID-19. You start, you start the with the audience. So we had to, we had to say, we had to talk about COVID, didn't we? Well done, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> 
But we start with the it's audience. It's not a podcast without COVID-19. <laughs> okay, isn't it? That's true. What I mean, of course, is is not that it's an excellent film uh, starring Bill Murray, um, but that essentially the best thing to do with all this is go through it once, learn from what you, the data you can gather, um, which I'm sure John Boone would go into great depth about. Learn from that data and just begin again and optimize and make sure that all of your assumptions, all of the assumptions or all of the educated assumptions you made at the beginning of the process are correct. Can they be improved upon? What can we do better for that client? Yeah. And we go back into the cycle, back into the loop, Groundhog Day number two. Exactly. And I think that's how, you know, often that's how you keep clients happy. If you keep evolving the strategy or if lo and behold, you've, you've found a, a strategy that works and is super successful and you just keep going with it. You know, if there's it's very often that it happens, but if you find the magic formula and you keep going around that process and actually you can't find anything to change or tweak. Yeah. Um, you know, it's essentially what it's all about driving results for the client. So we purposely you know, make it like Groundhog Day in order to get the most out of the campaigns that we can and the most out of what we've learnt throughout whatever testing time frame we're, we're in, whether it's yeah. three months, six months, 12 months, um, to try and go through this process and just tweak little bits and learn as much as we can going forwards and try and get the results to improve. I think what we found recently is, uh, you know, a lot of clients have been doing more phased approaches. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, new clients coming on are wanting to to look at, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four within the strategy. So, you know, we start with the lower funnel activity and then sort of build that up. Um, and and that's worked, you know, really nicely because it means that we can continually, um, you know, evolve as the strategy goes on and and make tweaks rather than, you know, waiting for the, the three month cycle to to end. It's it's almost very much continual. So you tell me, Grace, that it is more complicated, that your job is more complicated <laughs> than this 30 minute or less podcast has conveyed. Yes. OK, well, that's good. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> I won't try and do it myself then. And neither should you, audience. You should buy, buy, buy. Now I'm going to cut that out. Um, <laughs> great. Well, I think that wraps up the planning cycle. Um, thanks for talking me through it. I know, I know a little bit more about how Search Star works. Um, famously uh, uninformed, Nick Livermore <laughs> um, knows a little bit more about what our planning, our media planning team does. Um, so, guys. It's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure to have you sitting in front of me on the webcam while I talk to you for this podcast. Um, Thank you for joining me. Thank you for spending time. And um, I hope you have a good rest of the week and enjoy the sunshine. No worries. You too. Thank you. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.